I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we embrace a holistic approach to personal health and empower women to break free from the noise of today's diet culture. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey to becoming healthier, stronger, and more resilient in this life. If you found this podcast, you might be somebody who is tired of feeling bombarded with unrealistic body standards and conflicting health advice and just ready to rebel against the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. This is a great opportunity and place to create a lifestyle that truly works for you. And I want to welcome you to your new home for everything health and wellness without any of those influences. Rebel Wellness is rooted in the belief that true wellness goes beyond just diet and exercise. It's about nurturing our minds bodies, and souls in a way that aligns with our unique needs and values. So if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome. And if you are a ride or die, hello again. So happy that you have returned. All right. So continuing this in-depth education series for this whole month of May on macros, today we are going to hopefully master the macronutrient carbohydrates. Easily one of the most misunderstood macronutrients out there because I can't tell you how many people are victims of the demonization of carbohydrates from our diet culture. And so this has been such a complicated um, topic across the board, females, males, whatever. It is always something that a lot of us just, especially in general population, have kind of a confusion over. And again, misunderstandings here and there because it's it was so popular, especially for, I would say like, I mean, I found diet books in my grandma's cookbooks about like no carbs, no fat, no salt recipe book. And I'm like, what? Like, how do you even live? Like, what do you, <laughs> how do you enjoy life when it's like that? And it's, it's something that does not ever need to be sacrificed and better understanding carbohydrates and how you can make them work for you and your lifestyle and, um, what you truly are aiming for, for longevity or short term, etc., can be really answered through this conversation today and practicing with yourself and learning how to manage your carbohydrates through that. And with that said, I am going to invite you to consider throwing out all previous knowledge about carbs that magazines taught you or your grandma or your mom taught you or anything that had some sort of ancient toxic diet culture um, in the undertones, because most of that stuff is partially true, perhaps, but majority of it doesn't apply to everything and or it doesn't apply to any of it at all. It was simply something that was put in place to help women continue to feel insecure about anything they do with their health or their bodies and also continue the narrative that we must hyper-focus on every single thing we eat in order to kind of establish our value in life and things like that. So without further ado, let's jump into it. And I definitely encourage you to stay all the way through because I'm going to give some of my top tips for um, macronutrient counting if you are one of the people who are following their own macros logging in MyFitnessPal. I hope it's been going well for you. If you're somebody who hasn't yet, can't encourage it enough. It's just going to bring awareness. It's not like an annoying, uh, naggy thing that is not going to have any benefits at all for you. It will. Trust me, it will. So give it a shot. Just log base as basic as possible if you want to. You don't need to weigh everything for it to be closer to accurate. But if you are somebody who is doing that, I'm going to share more tips on um, how to better manage it and log your food and interpret it on your tracking app at the end of this chat. So let's jump in. Okay, so quick reminder, what are macronutrients? Macronutrients are the largest particles that make up all the food items that we can safely consume. So aside from water and alcohol, um, I didn't really talk about alcohol in the past episodes, uh, but it is kind of considered its own macronutrient because the chemical structure of it is different 
and it is not the same as water, even though water is involved in some of it. Um, so I just wanted to make that clear. There is kind of a fourth macronutrient and that is alcohol. So even though we might think alcohol could land in the carbohydrate category, it actually doesn't because the chemical structure is different. Aside from alcohol and water, the main three macronutrients that we track is protein, carbs, and fats because they're the largest molecules that make up the foods we eat and different foods are better or worse sources for each of those um, categories. So these nutrients are much of what supports nearly every system in our body for vitality. Thus, this is why we are talking about it for this entire month because it is so key to understand and learn these nutrients so that you can better take charge of your health. And if you're a mom or you have a family or you're a caretaker, helping others also achieve the health benefits from better understanding and balancing out their meals based off of your understanding of these macronutrients. Okay. So that is what a macronutrient is. If you have not listened to the other episodes, highly recommend you go back to episode 19 and 20 and do this whole series in order because it's going to be way easier to follow. Okay, so what exactly are dietary carbohydrates? They are the main source of energy for the body as they are broken down into glucose, which is the main fuel for cells. So I'm going to not get, again, as usual, not too sciencey in it, but enough that is important for you to kind of basically understand a little bit more of how it works in your own biology. There is a system in place called gluconeogenesis, and this is where your body creates glucose from fuel sources. So gluconeogenesis happens with or without carbs. Carbs are the fastest way for your body to create glucose, which is why sometimes, or a lot of times, we crave carbohydrates because our body knows that that is the fastest fuel source to get right into the body. However, like what has been made popular, very popular lately, ketogenesis is where your body is turning fats into blood ketones to create glucose. So the same can be said about protein. Protein, especially when it's in excess, it can be turned into glucose as well. So gluconeogenesis is a mechanism that the body has available to create energy out of any of these macronutrients. So it's really important to understand that because it lets you know that glucose is key for energy. And with that said, just to reiterate, carbohydrates are the main source of quick glucose. And to kind of dive into that protein structure chat we had in the last conversation, um, last episode that is, proteins and fats are made up of long chain amino acids and fatty acids, but carbohydrates are composed of simple sugars or complex chains of sugar molecules. So they differ from proteins and fats in their chemical structure as well. This is why they're their own category of macronutrient. And those chains of sugar molecules are what we would consider a simple carb or a complex carb. And I'm sure some of you right now are like, oh, I totally get it now. <laughs> because then you're starting to realize that the structure of the carbohydrate itself relays to how fast it's going to get into your system because is it going to be a simple structure for your body to break down, aka simple carb, aka something like white flour or literally cane sugar, or something complex like a sweet potato or something like that? The more complex it is, the harder it is for your body to break down, which is typically positive because then you're not getting as much of a blood sugar spike. We're going to get a little bit more into that in a moment, but I just wanted to kind of put that on the table so you start to get your head in the zone of understanding the differences between the two major versions of carbohydrates. It's important to note that dietary carbohydrates also play a role in supporting your brain function and regulating your blood sugar levels, like I was just saying about the complex structure or the simple structure. For Brain function, this is something where a lot of us tend to experience kind of that hangry feeling that's usually actually a sign of our body being on this blood sugar roller coaster. You can usually avoid hangry personality <laughs> um, when you are 
managing the foods you eat much better by managing your blood sugar and keeping it more balanced and regulated, which is again, where macronutrient counting matters and making a rounded meal matters. So that means a, every single meal has a good quality protein, good quality carb, and good quality fat. By consuming that, you're going to have better blood sugar balance throughout the day, and you're not going to get the spikes and dips that will impact your brain function when your blood sugar is just on this crazy roller coaster all throughout the day. And which carbs you choose have a big influence on that. So starting your day with simple carbs, unless you are doing something with high energy output, like a good big workout in the morning, following that simple carb breakfast, your body, or if you have that simple carb after that workout, those are one of the scenarios where you're going to utilize that energy immediately for the glucose, um, either for the energy for the workout or for replenishing your muscles after the workout, that would be the only category where I'd really say that a simple carbohydrate for breakfast is a good choice um, on its own. That is if you are consuming it in a manner that is a rounded meal, um, it's totally okay to have more simple carbohydrates um, with that meal. But again, if you are choosing something like just a bagel, and then you are just going to go sit at your desk working all day, you're going to be kind of in a brain fog zone potentially, or a spike and drop brain function. So again, like hangry or mood swingy, and um, you're going to be reaching for more carbs throughout the day because your body is just going to want to keep that blood sugar spike up, up, up. So that's something to consider um, when you're thinking about your own carbohydrate choices throughout this whole chat. So the question that you might be thinking after all that is why exactly do we need carbohydrates in our diet then? And that answer is going to be kind of a two-parter. So first part is straight up, since it is the primary source of energy for your body, it's the preferred source of fuel for your brain and central nervous system. And it also provides energies, immediate energy for your muscles during exercise and all your daily activities. But not only that, it's also important to understand that carbohydrates are also important for maintaining proper digestive function regulating your blood sugar levels, and supporting a healthy immune system. The second part to that is, are they fully necessary in our diet all the time? And that is kind of a loaded question because it really depends on the person's health situation and their goals. So if you are somebody who's facing um, something like chronic blood sugar dysregulation or Again, somebody who is type 2 diabetic, you might be a candidate for people who deal with epilepsy and certain very specific brain diseases or dysfunctions, etc. They might be candidates for less carbohydrates in their diet. So this is where this is actually the inception of the keto diet was a medical intervention for people with epilepsy. Um, however, they have now found it because so many people have jumped on the bandwagon and they're actually funding more studies about it. Um, there are a lot of other nutritional intervention reasons to utilize something that does remove nearly all carbohydrates from the diet for specific health things like diabetics, type 2 diabetics. It can take them out of needing insulin or needing to manage their blood sugar more closely. It can take them off things like metformin. Um, if they are following it properly. It is important to run this through your primary care physician if you are considering it, if you are somebody with type 2 diabetes or something like that, and you want to look into following a dietary intervention such as that, but this is not medical health advice. So do note that it is important to run all of these concepts by your doctors first, because I am not giving you any sort of instruction without knowing you. So for the part two of this explanation, um, are carbohydrates necessary for your diet? Not always, but that does not mean everybody should just be kind of arbitrarily removing it from their diet or restricting it, especially if you are somebody who enjoys activities outside, plays sports, um, weight lifts, especially, especially weightlifting, um, just by the fact that our muscles need quick glucose for our body. For recovery, 
and for repairing, etc. Well, I mean, that might be a little redundant. Recovery and repairing is kind of the same thing, but that's essentially why for anybody in those categories, I don't recommend removing carbohydrates or eating low carbohydrate diet because it's unnecessary and your body is also probably going to go on this kind of uh, roller coaster of blood sugar when you go back and forth between high carbs to really low carbs to moderate carbs. It's just not going to be a good strategy if you don't have a plan. So that's my two cents on that whole concept. So with all of that said, it is important to know that different um, carbs can affect your health based off of what type they are. So going back to that initial conversation we were having about complex structures and simple structures, that is also how we kind of categorize different carbs we eat. So complex carbohydrates, also known as starches, are made up of long chains of sugar molecules that take longer for the body to break down and absorb. This slower digestion can help regulate blood sugar levels, promote feelings of fullness, and provide sustained energy. So this would be something like whole grains, vegetables, legumes, etc. And it's also important to know that most complex carbs are involving dietary fiber. So fiber is a component of carbohydrates, but there's different types of fiber, such as insoluble and soluble fiber. So Kind of like the name states, insoluble means it cannot be broken down and utilized by the body, but where insoluble fiber is beneficial is especially in your gut because this is what we would consider prebiotic fiber. It can feed your gut bacteria along with soluble fiber, which is also prebiotic. Um, Some insoluble fiber might not be in the category of prebiotic because it actually will just pass straight through you. But that is also where it becomes helpful for healthy bowel movements. But both fiber types are beneficial for your gut bacteria. Um, So overall, when you hear people tell you fiber is important, it absolutely is important. And I would say usually I like to keep my diet around 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day. And this is something you can track on a Uh, macro food tracker to kind of see where you're currently eating at. Majority of us naturally, at least from what I've seen across the board for many clients following their MyFitnessPals, especially in the beginning before they start to learn the skills, is that they're usually eating under 10 grams of fiber a day. And this is where you tend to see a lot of people not have regular bowel movements, which means your body's not detoxing regularly and this is not a positive thing or their digestion in general is really slow um, and they have a hard time having bowel movements even though they are still having bowel movements it's not in a healthy manner Um, you should never be straining yourself when you are on the toilet so if you are somebody who is constantly straining most of the time when you go to the bathroom that is not a good thing and i would encourage you to think about incorporating more fiber into your diet with every meal. A common question I get to is like, can I use Benefiber or anything like that? And my answer is yes. Um, If it is hard for you to get enough fiber in your diet based off of a multitude of reasons, um, you can supplement here and there with things like Benefiber, but do know that you don't want to overdo it. You definitely want to keep it under at least like five grams or so um, as serving. Um, or follow the serving that's recommended to you on the package. But don't ever overdo it with um, especially kind of artificially created fibers because you're going to end up with a negative reaction. You might get too much bloating and discomfort and gas and things like that, which is not ideal. And like anything, your body does tend to adapt and figure it out over time, but it can take several months of following a high fiber diet. So people who basically become like raw vegans or um, vegans that eat high quantities of vegetables or vegetarians that eat quite a bit of vegetables. If you went from a lifestyle that didn't consume a lot of fiber beforehand, and then suddenly a lot of fiber, there's going to be this kind of uncomfortable transition period. So just be aware of that. But Overall, you don't have to go into extremes to eat enough fiber. 
you basically just need anywhere from like 7 to 12 grams of fiber per meal and you're going to end up just fine if you have three to four meals a day and that's probably going to be the healthiest way for your body to have consistent fiber throughout your day. So again, you're going to usually find that in a complex carbohydrate, you will find fiber in those food items. And simple carbohydrates, on the other hand, they're made up of one or two sugar molecules and they are quickly digested and absorbed by the body. This can cause rapid spikes of blood sugar levels and also don't have as many nutrients in simple carbs just by design. So this is where we typically want to reduce food consumption in this category day to day. So if there were somewhere for you to manage your carbohydrate intake, it's simply the simple carbohydrates to look at. Because anything that is a refined sugar found in sweets, soda, processed foods, etc., anything that's going to like hit you with some really good uh, energy or a mood spike all of a sudden, or maybe some people get really hyper, odds are that's a simple carb and you have to kind of manage how frequently you consume those or else it will start to wreak havoc on your uh, metabolism. And this is where we tend to see rapid fat gain, especially if you are not using that energy immediately. Simple carbs are great for weightlifters and or people who do sports specific athletics that involve um, high output because if you can consume something, let's say a um, if you're a long distance runner, if you can consume something that gets more energy right into your body immediately, that's a lot more valuable for you in the short term for that activity. So that's where a simple carbohydrate comes in handy for those categories of people. Energy output that is kind of needing to be long and sustained or um, immediate. And for my clients that weight lift, I... I'm always encouraging them to consume a good quality protein paired with a simple carbohydrate so that it can immediately go straight to repairing the muscles that we just exhausted um, so that they can grow because if they don't recover properly, they're not going to grow. And this is where a lot of people kind of miss the mark where they train too hard, including me. This was me circa 2015 through 2017, <laughs> um, training too hard and not consuming enough food, especially carbohydrates, to replenish the body to help recover and build that muscle. So if that resonates with you, if you feel like you're dieting, but also weightlifting too hard and your recovery is not good, this could be something like you wake up and you're super sore for multiple days on end. Odds are you're probably going to want to get some better carbs, um, simple carbs, right in that 30 to 60 minute window post-workout or even sooner, depends on the person. And this is sometimes too why you hear uh, weightlifters consuming intra-carb, intra-workout carb drinks. And that is something people are trying to maintain their energy, power, and overall output throughout their entire workout by consuming carbs simultaneously while utilizing the glucose. And so when it comes to carbohydrate consumption, I usually recommend following an 80-20 or a 70-30 as far as complex carbs in the higher percentage of most of what you eat every day and every week in comparison to simple carbs. So oftentimes the standard American diet is the opposite. It's usually 80 to 90% simple carbs um, and very small amounts of complex carbs. So if you flip that ratio, it will be a game changer for how your body reacts to carbs. So it's really, really key to understand that concept because they all carbs are not made the same. This is a common myth that is, that is why I did actually a myth episode on carbs make you fat. Um, but because it's, it's very different or very important to distinguish complex versus simple. So complex carbs consumed dominantly can look like something like a paleo diet because a paleo diet involves carbs very adequately, if not in more excess um, in every meal, but it's the source of the carbs that matter. So no, a carb is not just a carb. It's either a complex carb or a simple carb. So a quick list of some of the healthier sources of carbs, uh, if that's something you're wondering, would be anything in the category of fruits, such as berries, apples, bananas, 
oranges, etc. Berries have the most fiber involved, so I tend to recommend berries um, daily, especially also because of the antioxidants. But vegetables such as broccoli, spinach, sweet potatoes, carrots, etc. Legumes, lentils, chickpeas, black beans, kidney beans, um, whole grains that include brown rice, quinoa, rolled oats, and even sprouted wheat can count in that category. Um, and dairy products that involve milk and yogurt because they have a naturally higher occurring amount of carbs because of the lactose. It's something that if you hear people say they're lactose intolerant, such as moi, um, we don't create genetically lactase, which a lot of people, especially people who come from backgrounds that were in like Nordic regions or any region that consumed dairy more frequently, those people's genetics tend to come with a better production of lactase, the enzyme that breaks down lactose. However, people like me who have Japanese and Filipino backgrounds, we didn't come across um, lactose as frequently because we didn't utilize cattle and other kind of dairy producing animals, um, which I believe is only cows. <laughs> Thus, we can't break down lactose without taking either a lactase enzyme or consuming something like probiotics in our yogurt, naturally occurring probiotics that those bugs actually eat the lactose. That's what they grow from um, and thrive from. So those are items that you can actually consume the dairy if you are somebody like me who's lactose intolerant because the lactose is removed. Or for those who want to consume a whey protein powder for its benefits for their health, um, for muscle building or muscle maintenance, you would err towards whey isolate protein or whey hydrolysate protein, which those are the most processed version of whey protein to purify it and remove the lactose from it. So it is one of the quicker sources of protein that gets into your system um, and it would remove the lactose. But again, those whey proteins are more of a protein powder, not a carb. Um, any of the other whey, like whey concentrate, that does include a lot more carbohydrates that naturally occur in the milk. Um, and so you can get a good source of carbs should your body digest it well. So just be aware of that. Not all necessarily whey protein the same. Um, whey can be in different forms. So if you are somebody who tends to struggle with incorporating more complex carbohydrates into your diet, I'm going to give you a couple of ideas of things to think about um, to do that more frequently. Um, and it is also important to know that you will probably have somewhat of an addictive reaction to simple carbohydrates, especially if you've been consuming them dominantly for a multitude of weeks, months, years, because again, because the structure is so simple and gets into your bloodstream so quickly, it's easy for your body to kind of get quote unquote addicted to the sugars. And um, it might feel really challenging to try to get out of that cycle but complex carbohydrates help that because they are still providing your body with that glucose um, more easily than proteins and fats. But at the same time, it will be in a way that you can kind of shift towards just a healthier source of carbohydrates and away from these super hyper palatable addicting carbohydrates. So switching to whole grains or naturally occurring starches by switching out your refined carbohydrates and reaching more for things like brown rice, quinoa, potatoes, like even white potatoes are absolutely fine for you. Potatoes got the bad rap when we started just smothering them with butter and bacon and sour cream. That's why white potatoes in diet culture got such a bad rap. But in reality, russet potatoes are one of the highest sources of potassium out of all the food sources. They are higher than bananas, like significantly higher than bananas in potassium for you. And it's also good to know that um, potatoes include prebiotics and probiotics for your gut. So don't cut potatoes out of your life. Potatoes are actually a very great slower digesting complex carb to swap in and swap out your breads, cereals, baked goods, white rice, etc. 
Another thing to do is find places to add more fruits and vegetables. Um, all my clients know I'm a vegetable pusher. So it's great for you to try to incorporate vegetables in every single meal. So for a lot of people who know me, I tend to do kind of like sauteed arugula or spinach in my eggs or under my eggs, depending on how I prepare my eggs for the for breakfast in the morning. Or I will do macro life naturals, um, macro greens powder. I do a scoop of that with my breakfast if I'm doing like a protein oatmeal. So I'm trying to incorporate some sort of vegetable in every single meal. And breakfast tends to be the hardest one for people to kind of find ways to put vegetables in. So those are some of my ideas of how I do it. But then I highly recommend batch cooking a bunch of other vegetables, roast them or saute them. Please do not steam them or boil them or anything like that because you're going to be leaching all of the good nutrients out of it and pretty much taking a beautiful vegetable item from the earth and making it wither into a watery soggy version and that is totally unnecessary and it's going to make vegetables way less enjoyable for you so highly recommend you always um, roast pan roast them or roast them in the oven to really accentuate their flavor and help them shine and always add sea salt and or fresh cracked pepper, spices, get involved with spices for all of your vegetables, and it's going to make them taste so much better. Garlic, onion, etc. Um, but also back to that, for, for the fruit side, like I had said before, try and adding in berries to your breakfast. Um, I always add berries on top of all my oatmeal, not only because it adds an acid to what's usually creamy from my protein that I mix in, um, but it also involves a lot more fiber and various vitamins and minerals that come naturally from those um, from the produce itself. And the other very common <laughs> hack is just adding things like spinach or kale or something like that to your smoothies if you are a smoothie person. Um, I don't personally love uh, smoothies frequently, especially not for a daily thing. Um, they tend to have kind of more of a negative effect on your gut, especially because the smoothie machine is doing what your mouth and your digestive system is supposed to be doing. So if you've ever felt kind of weirdly bloated um, every time you consume smoothies, especially if it's a higher sugar smoothie, like you involved a lot of fruits into it um, and honey or whatever, like anything from Jamba Juice is way too much sugar. It's not healthy um, for your blood sugar at that point, because most of them can uh, contain more than 20 grams of sugar per serving, like that'd be the smallest size. I think the biggest size is usually anywhere from 40 to 70 grams of sugar per serving, which is insane. So I would say um, probably don't opt towards smoothies very often, but you can always add spinach to help create more of a complex um, digesting reaction and get more of those nutrients in. Um, but again, I'm not a big fan of smoothies, so I don't, I'm not going to talk too much in depth about them because they're just not, they're not nourishing enough in my opinion. They kind of can be, depends on the thing, but I digress. Um, and then another thing that you can do is opt for legumes, um, such as beans and lentils, because they have a great amount of fiber and different plant-based amino acids for like the proteins, as well as they just add more volume to your meals. Um, volume meaning just more on your plate for a higher nutrient density. So it's kind of different than if you just kept putting on more scoops of white rice, as much as I would love that because I'm a big white rice fan, but that's the Japanese coming out of me, I suppose, or the Filipino, you know, take your pick. But that's a good way to incorporate more protein and minerals is by throwing lentils or beans into your salads, your soups, or whatnot. And if you're somebody who's a frequent uh, soda drinker or sugary Starbucks or for my, my, everybody in the Pacific Northwest drinks Dutch Brothers, you know, if you're somebody who frequents a anything daily where you're drinking a lot of your simple carbohydrates, it's probably one of the easiest ways to improve your blood sugar balance and your health overall is literally removing that drink altogether, whether you have to wean it down or change your order. Um, for example, Starbucks, because their um, app 
I highly recommend you download that app and you can always order your food or at least look at the um, nutrition labels from the app because they've got all of their menu items on there. And it's really easy for you to just adjust something. So you'd be amazed at how many of their drinks involve like three pumps of their sweetener. I think almost anything that is a tall is three pumps of their sweetener. Anything that's a grande is four pumps. Anything that's a venti is going to be like five to six pumps and so on. And that is a lot of grams of sugar. Even if you're getting the sugar-free, um, it's just a lot of sweet chemical. <laughs> and I'm not going to really talk about the difference between sugar-free things and actual sugar things. Obviously, sugar-free does not technically have carbohydrates in them. Um, so if I guess if you were trying to reduce the carbs you're actually consuming, try going sugar-free first and then shift down to reducing how many pumps you have in it. So for me, I personally always reduce. Um, at this point, I pretty much remove the sugar from everything because Starbucks has other item components, such as their like cold foam or their um, added flavoring syrups, or for example, their matcha. Their matcha powder is already sweetened itself. So you can actually just remove all the added sugar that they involve in it, Let's say that green tea matcha latte, you can ask them to not add the vanilla sweetener and just do the matcha powder and even their alternative milks and regular milk has sugar as well, has carbs as well because of that. So reducing your carbs for your sugary beverages can look like removing a lot of the adding added sugar to a lot of those drinks and getting used to the taste and flavor of them as you remove that amount of sweetness. And trust me, if you can dedicate at least two weeks to reducing your sugars and all of the drinks you consume that are really naturally high sugar, your mouth is going to start to actually get used to the flavor of it with less sugar. You have to give it the opportunity to reduce the way that your saliva influences your taste buds. Um, and trust me on this one, give yourself two minimum up to four weeks shifting your coffee drinks to something less sweet. And I guarantee you're going to get more used to it. And it's also just something to be open-minded about. Like a lot of people are just, I can't cut this down. It just tastes gross. Okay, then don't drink it. Like <laughs> I hate to be super um, kind of hardcore about it, but you can't simultaneously overconsume sugar and hope that your health is going to get better. It's kind of like walking around in a circle and having a map, but not reading the map and just continuing in your circle. You have to realize that you have to remove some of these uh, sugary items from your diet if you want to succeed in uh, your long-term health goals if those sugary items every day have contributed to where you are now. So sometimes it kind of just takes you like smacking yourself in the face and being like, look, enough is enough. Do I need this as a Trenta or as a Grande even? Can I just be okay with having it as a tall? You know, those little changes every day, week, month are going to compound and get you much closer to your goal in the long run. So trust me on that, especially with carbohydrates. Okay, so for the quick tips to continue the conversation for those of you who are logging on a food tracker app to better understand your macronutrients, um, one of the main things to understand is that for each gram of carb, there are four calories. And this is pretty much across the board for all carbohydrates. Carbs and protein are four calories per gram and fats are nine calories per gram. So that's how you can see that fats are really dense in their caloric amounts and carbs and protein are going to be much lower in calories for their size of grams. So again, this was that conversation of three ounces of a steak in comparison to six and a half tablespoons of peanut butter and how the peanut butter and the steak were the same grams of protein in total. However, their calories were not the same because the peanut butter was somewhere around 650 calories for that much protein in grams. And then the steak was literally only three ounces for 
25 grams of um, protein. So that's kind of an example of how we can see that something that is higher in protein is going to be lower in calories compared to something that is higher in fat. And next week is our final chat, and that's the fat conversation. So stay tuned for that one. But as far as carbs go, they are in tandem with protein at four calories per gram. So a really common question I also get is when you're counting macros, should you count net carbs? So it's generally recommended to count total carbs rather than net carbs when you're counting macros for a few different reasons. Um, there are certain carbs that your body will not process and absorb, such as dietary fiber, because that's the insoluble and soluble fiber I was talking about. Um, and net carbs are calculated by subtracting the grams of non-usable carbs, so the insoluble fiber, um, from your total grams of carbs. So for example, if you had something that was 20 grams of carbs total on the label, dietary fiber was six grams, you're going to end up with 14 grams of net carbs, we would call it. However, we want to count those fiber carbs total day. It's only important to count net carbs if you are somebody following a ketogenic diet because it helps you get a better understanding of the total usable carbs um, day to day when you are learning how to get into your ranges um, because keto is very specific like that. However, otherwise, we want to know that total day's carb intake, including your dietary fiber. And if you accidentally eat more than you planned, you'll still have a better chance of sticking to your macronutrient goals for the day by following the total carbs versus net carbs. And a good rule of thumb for figuring out the ratios of your total macronutrients like we've been chatting about, you're going to look for your protein following that 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of lean body mass. So not your total body mass, your lean body mass. And then you're going to fulfill the rest of your daily calorie intakes with your carbs and fats. And those numbers can differ, but oftentimes we kind of want to see a little bit of variation between your carbs and fats in an inverse manner. So what I usually tell my clients, if you're going to have a high output day where you need more carbs and you want more carbs, say that's a day that you take like a kickboxing class or a cycling class or something like that, you're going to want to increase your carbohydrate intake for that day. So you're going to decrease your fats because those two nutrient sources are dominantly energy sources and fats digest slower and there are a lot more calories Carbs, as we know, are faster and they are quick energy and they help your muscles recover. So you're going to want to increase the carbs, decrease your fats a bit. So let's say that you're eating at 20% or 25% um, protein intake every day. You have 75% left of the macronutrient ratios of your total calories to fulfill. So what I would say is if you had a high energy day, you're going to do 45% of the rest of those calories, two grams of carbs, and then 30% is put towards your grams of fat. So then you have 100% total daily macronutrient ratios of total calories that you need to consume. And those total calories should be your total daily energy expenditure equation that we've talked about in the past. If this is your first time hearing this, that is going to be an equation between the exercise that you do that day, your basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate, which is your uh, basically based off your body composition and your height weight that calculates all the way into figuring out what is your baseline for staying alive. And if you just existed all day long and didn't do anything, it'd be how many calories your body would burn naturally, just keeping you alive. So that's your BMR. So you combined your exercise activity thermogenesis plus that plus non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is basically being up and about walking to and from your desk, walking to and from the kitchen, going around the grocery store, et cetera, and all of those things combined together. Um, I don't really like to talk about the TEF, which is thermic effect of food, because it's kind of negligible. I take those major three, and that's what's going to give you your total daily energy expenditure. You take that calorie number, and you have to hit that number with your macronutrient ratios. So then that breaks down into grams. And that's essentially what apps like MyFitnessPal will do for you. And it makes it so much easier and more digestible, literally. Um, so if that's something that you're trying to better understand 
that's something to really look at because that's how you determine whether or not you're eating towards a deficit, which would encourage fat loss or weight loss. Fat loss would be encouraged if you follow good macronutrient ratios for that. I'm going to talk about that more next episode, but I highly recommend for somebody who wants to maintain their muscle and lose body fat in a deficit, ratios that keep the protein above 25% is going to get you there with more lean muscle and you're going to want to adjust the protein and carbs depending on how your individual body is reacting to that deficit. So again, if you're somebody who's more active, increase the carbs a little higher than your fats. If you're somebody who's not as active, you might actually do better with a higher fat percentage um, than higher carb because you don't need as much quick energy if you're never using it. Okay, so just remember that when it comes to carbohydrates and, well, essentially all macros, it's all about balance for the best lasting health impact for you. And I know personally that I'm a big carb person. My lifestyle supports ample carbs, and so carbs support me. (laughs) So I am somebody who's a big fan of carbs because I strength train, I hike a lot, um, and I'm just active a lot. I walk my dog two times a day. So Carbs are necessary for me and they make me perform better in life because of it. If I was less active, I would probably not eat them as much. So it's your lifestyle. Do you, okay? But also I kind of want to end this conversation on an important note that a lot of our mood is influenced by our gut health. And when we eat too much of what makes it in a chronic inflammatory state, We might experience things like anxiety and depression as those are feedback loops from your gut to tell your brain something is not right so that you have the opportunity to realize that little warning system. It's kind of like a engine light check comes on and it speaks to us with our mood changing. This has historically been something involved in our anatomy for this reason And nowadays we've almost, I've observed it to be completely removed from our actual physical health. And we almost just think it's strictly mental. We only think that it's the brain. And that is completely ignoring the fact that our brain has always been connected to our body because it quite literally is the only thing speaking to our body and communicating. So it truly is not surprising or a wonder, or shouldn't be at least, that our mood is directly correlated to how our body is feeling and our body is feeling in relation to our food because our nourishment is either nourishing or it's poison, you know? And so we have to remember that historically our nutrition is the most important thing to explore, especially if you're somebody dealing with mental health challenges because it's it's 100% correlated. And again, you can uh, dive deeper into that concept by reading This Is Your Brain on Food by Dr. Uma Naidu so that you can kind of see and learn for yourself if this is your own situation or if you know somebody who might be in this situation too. I know for myself with a lot of my friends, family, clients, etc., I've seen insane changes mentally for those that dedicate themselves to physical changes of making intentional food choices and adjusting their nutrition in um, a way that is more supportive of health physically. And then that completely shifts the mental zone. But not only that, I know for myself, I experience a lot more kind of anxiety or depressive states when I am not consuming a healthy balance of food for myself. So I always put myself back in check when I start to feel this big mood shift, especially if it does not correlate to where I am in my cycle. And um, it just kind of helps me be intuitive with my nutrition. And the good news is you have the opportunity to do the same. And so I definitely encourage you as you continue forward with your own personal nutrition awareness and adjustments to make sure that you are kind of taking inventory on your mood um, as each day goes on and just kind of remember, this is where the logging also is helpful because you can kind of see like, wow, I'm super depressed this entire weekend. 
what the heck? And then you look back at your food logs and you're like, oh yeah, I ate out. I had ice cream. I had wine, you know, all these different things. And then you're like, okay, food is clearly influencing my system. So it helps you make the choice the next weekend to be like, you know, I don't want to feel like crap. I want to have good quality sleep. I don't want my skin to look icky, you know, all these different things that are symptoms of a bigger problem of just simply not eating in a way that supports your health. And this is really often tied to carbohydrates, which is why I put this little kind of pep talk at the end of this um, episode, because it's very important to know that it's easy for us to get out of hand with carbs, especially because carbs are so processed nowadays and Sugar Corp and all of those different big foods uh, companies make so much money off of us being addicted to carbs. And so just be aware that the system is set up against you. But now that you have this knowledge, you have the power and opportunity to remove yourself from being stuck in that system. Okay, so if you want to ask me any questions about carbs or any of these macronutrients or tracking, etc. Let me know if this episode is helpful for you as well. And so you are very warmly welcome to message me on our Instagram at coach by kills. That's my personal health coaching um, profile. And as always, I would love for you to throw us some stars in the rating. If you so choose to, it helps us grow. And we are so forever grateful for you taking a moment to do that. And I also want to let you guys know there are some exciting things in the works. If you ever want to see how to work with me or see what programs I have on the way, feel free to connect with me also on at coach by Kales or check out my website, coachbykales.com and um, reach out and join the newsletter, etc. It is also important to note rebelwellness.me has its own newsletter group. So if you specifically want things related to um, all the topics and things going on with the podcast, um, go to our website and add your name to our newsletter list as well. All right, Rebel, that's it for today's episode. Don't forget to share your knowledge and experience with the women in your life because when we support each other, we all thrive. And that's the goal, right? So celebrate your strength and nourishment, walk with confidence, and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Hey you, thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, we have some exciting news for you. We've recently launched an Instagram page for the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we'll be sharing inspiring quotes from every episode, behind the scenes moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. So be sure to follow us at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram to stay connected with our community. And it's growing, so I'm really excited about it. That's not all though. I also want to introduce you to at Coach by Kales, which is my flagship fitness and wellness coaching business, as I am so passionate about empowering individuals like you to live their healthiest and most enjoyable lives. So if you would love to join me there as well, follow my page for daily inspiration, fitness tips, nutrition tips, sometimes even healthy recipes, as well as debunking more myths around the health and fitness industry in general. By following both pages, you'll be joining a community of like-minded individuals who are all committed to living their best lives as well. So don't hesitate, hit that follow button and join us on this journey to wellness. Again, thank you for listening and I hope to catch you on the gram.